Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of Dream Business Academy, founder of No Hassle Newsletters, my extraordinary done-for-you newsletter program used by over 1,200 small business owners in nine countries. But most importantly today, I am the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year, and this is episode 527. So welcome to a special live edition of Dream Business Radio with my special guest, Alexis Hasselberger. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. So thanks so much for having me on and congrats on reaching 527 episodes. <laughs> it's astounding to me, you know, real quick. So when I started in 2009, podcasting, I thought was just exploding. I'm like, oh, I'm so late to the game. And now it's, there's not hundreds every day. There's like millions every day, it seems totally. like. <laughs> anyway, hey folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. That is my uh, mastermind. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner who is tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed and unfocused, especially today's episode you're going to love, but and especially if you're interested in learning how to create multiple streams of revenue in your business, something I'm very good at, then check out the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, led by me, Captain Jim, at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Alexis, and we'll dive right in. She is a time management and productivity coach who helps people do more and stress less. Now, it's a big title. We're going to find out if it's all marketing shenanigans or if she's really good. I'm just kidding. I, I, I believe me, I check out all my guests. More silly than usual. Her pragmatic yet fun approach helps people easily integrate practical, realistic strategies into their lives so they can do more of what they want to do and less of what they don't want to do, which is honestly, it's a cornerstone of having a successful life is not doing more of what you don't want to do. Alexis has taught thousands of individuals to take control of their time and her clients, including a couple small Entrepreneurial companies such as Google, Lyft, Workday, Capital One, Upwork, and more. <laughs> Just to drop a few in there, Alexis. Wow, you've got some major clients. How are you doing today? Yeah, I mean, it uh, helps that I live in, you know, very close proximity to Silicon Valley, I'll just say. <laughs> I know, right out there in San Francisco. Well, you know, I always start out, of course, I, I, I get myself so excited when I interview people like you because I love to learn. It's one of the reasons I keep doing the podcast. I, you know, it's what, what is that expression? The coach always learns more or some, the host always learns more. But it's fascinating to me talking with, with people like you who have these specialties because when you're an entrepreneur, you will typically start a business based on a skill or talent, something you know how to do. You turn it into a business. So you do that. Next thing you know, you need to learn about HR. You need to learn about marketing. You need to learn about all these different things. But no matter what goes on, most people, most entrepreneurs that start achieving some level of success, Alexis, is they start burning out or become overwhelmed. They're doing way too many things. So that's a whole conversation on delegating but so i'm really interested in this topic but before 
I get myself going down the questions I can't wait to ask you. Tell us a little bit about your background. Because um, honestly, I and, and I know this to be true because my a very loyal audience, they always tell me they love the journey and the inspirational stories behind entrepreneurship as much as the, the good stuff, so to speak. So were you a natural entrepreneur? Did you say, the hell with college, I'm going to start a business? Or did you go become a lawyer and then study time management? So not at all. Like I never thought I was going to become an entrepreneur. I have a pretty low risk tolerance. And so, uh-huh. you know, I thought like, yeah, that doesn't quite jive together. Right. Um, but I spent the first 15 years or so of my career at working in early stage startups Uh, doing HR operations, legal, finance, like doing all of the things that weren't sales and engineering. Okay. And so I was working in small, fast growing companies. Um, I saw people burning out all around me, left and right, just as you described many times the founders of these companies, right? Um, And I also had a couple of kids along the way. And I realized that I was not interested in working, you know, these crazy hours that I saw people like I was, I didn't want to be at the office at 10 PM, even if I was playing ping pong, right? Like right, I right. wanted a life outside of that. And so I just started, you know, I'm a, I'm a total geek about things. Right. And so I just started like, what are the strategies that I can use and how can I optimize my own time? And basically my goal was I want to be excellent work. I want to always be moving up and I want to do it in 40 hours or less a week. Right. And 40 so, hours as an entrepreneur? How dare you? <laughs> oh, I work 35 or so right now. <laughs> Good for you. I'm um, there now. But that wasn't the, for the yeah, first 12 years, right? Totally, right? Uh, and so for me, that's like always my goal is how can I continue to produce really excellent work, but do so with the least amount of time and effort involved, right? Good. And people just kept coming to me for that type of advice. So even though that wasn't really my job title by any means, I was much more doing, you know, operations and then interfacing with our accounting folks and our legal folks and, um, you know, HR stuff, all of that stuff. Um, People kept coming to me for help with like their task list, right? Or, you know, a lot of different companies I worked for, they were like, hey, we need to like streamline these processes. Could you help us do that? Right. And so I would Mm. would do this kind of stuff. And eventually I worked for a CEO who said, hey, do you think that you could do a productivity workshop for our whole company just based on the things you already do? And I said, that sounds like so much fun. I would be happy to do that, right? This sounds very exciting. And um, and I think that actually was the spark for me that I said, like, wow, this is like a skill set I have, but I didn't really didn't really think about it was kind of ancillary to everything else, right? That's and, typically the road of entrepreneurs, though, right? I mean, yeah. so we, we all kind of weave in path and then we kind of find something. That your your terminology was you were a geek at it. But yes. I think when people get really passionate about a, either a certain part of their job or a certain function that they're good at, I had yeah. no idea I was going to be a coach 20 years ago. I just started right. creating businesses. And then people yeah. said, well, how are you doing that? So one thing led right. to another, right? So right. at what point then after the CEO asked you to do this, did you decide to go out on your own? So then like maybe two or three years later, that startup went out of business as, you know, as 90% of startups do. And I just thought to myself, you know, the people have kept coming to me for this type of time management productivity stuff. It's something I really get a kick out of. And Mm -hmm. it's something that feels like um, there's a, you know, it's just people don't learn it in school, right? It's either 
like you have either either you're someone like me who has um, really developed these skills over time because you really wanted them right or needed them <laughs> um, as the case may be when you're like a mom of two small kids with a full-time job you need these skills right right um, and then I realized like oh there's there is a product market fit here somehow some way like I don't know exactly what that will be I didn't know that I would be a coach or that I would I didn't know I would have online courses I didn't I didn't know what would happen I just was like, I'm going to start writing about all the things I know <laughs> and then see if I can somehow turn this into a business, like see what makes sense to share with other people and to get other people to a transformation where they are coming in overwhelmed, overworked, um, just like you said in the beginning about entrepreneurs who achieve mm -hmm. some level of success and then realize how burnt out they are. I would say 100% of my clients are people who I would consider very successful but have done so through brute force. Right. Right. You know, it, so what's interesting is, first of all, I know it's going to be a fantastic interview and we got another 20, 22 minutes to go. But, you know, so folks, a little behind the scenes, I always meet with my guests for a couple of minutes before we go live. And I said, don't give me any two word answers or I'll run out of questions. Well, I've just answered one question. We're at 10 minutes. So <laughs> Alexis has a great volume of knowledge and she's obviously passionate about it. So, um, you know, Alexis, one of the things I do when I'm preparing for a, um, an interview like this is I go to a, a website or I look for your blog. Your blog is amazing. I mean, like outstanding. It literally made my job very easy. So, um, which, which shows that you totally understand about social media and, content marketing and things like that. So anyway, tip of the hat to you there. Um, you. I'm going to, so I wrote down some of these, uh, all I did is write down the titles and I'm going to just have you riff on them a little bit, but even though I don't want any two word answers, don't give me 2000 word answers because we'll run out of time. So, okay. <laughs> so anyway, you need to cut so me off. Cut me I off. will believe me. I'll interrupt you. Okay. Here's one that I was really fascinated. Why I want quiet quitters on my team. What is a quiet quitter? So quiet quitting, if you have it, like it's just all the right. Everyone's talking about quiet quitting these days, quiet quitting. And when I first heard this term, I was like, what the heck is this? Right. It, honestly, I just thought this must be if you just like stop showing up to your job and you wait until you stop getting a paycheck or something. Right. Um, turns out quiet quitting is just a negative rebranding of boundaries. <laughs> like ah. quiet quitting is just doing your job, doing it well but not being available at all hours of the night and day. And so I want those people on my team because I want people to have full lives and I want them to not burn out. So <laughs> a quiet quitter is somebody who says, I'm no longer going to do this. Now is the quiet part, you don't make big announcements. You just mm -hmm. turn off your phone at night or you just yeah. make yourself unavailable. Exactly. Right. Okay. It's like basically saying like, you know what? I used to be at your beck and call and I'm taking a little bit of control back. And so I'm not going to, I mean, maybe you're telling, maybe you're saying like putting an out of office reply on or something like that, but yeah, right. you're not making a big announcement. Very cool. Okay. I got that. So um, another blog post is why your instinct when you get busy is probably wrong. Now I'm guessing the instinct is buckle down, work harder. <laughs> is that the instinct you're talking about? Well, the instinct is actually, it's a little bit of that, but the instinct is actually that most people, when they get busy, they throw away all their systems, right? You like, you get busy and you're just like, okay, I just have to spend all my time doing the things, doing the things. And you let planning go by the wayside. You're like, I don't have hmm. time for planning. 
But what happens when we do that is that we are now in a position where it's like we're standing in front of a tennis ball thrower that's like throwing the tennis balls at us. And instead of stepping to the side to see what's going on, we just stand there trying to like bat away all of the balls and it leaves us more exhausted and we don't get the right things done. Wow. That's awesome. You know, good friend of mine, mindset coach, Melanie Benson told me this, I forget how far back this goes. I mean, probably uh, more than 10 years, but Back when I'm like 80 hour a week type guy, you know, getting up at 430 in the morning and just doing the whole, you know, eating a two and a half minute lunch at best at the desk. Right. And just cranking, cranking, cranking. And she goes, uh, Jim Palmer, you need you need to take some time off. I don't know why she was called me Jim Palmer instead of just, but Jim Palmer, you need to take some time off. And I'm yeah. like, can't afford to right now. She said, you can't afford not to. Right. Exactly. And um so instead of a week, I promised to take one day off. And uh, it was, I remember this, it was in August and I dro- drove up to Eagles training camp up in Allentown and instead of, ta- which I totally enjoyed. So that felt good. But I also took my camera and shot a video for, for <laughs> at the time, Newsletter Guru TV. And, um, but it, but getting out of the office, it was really a turning point for me. And I have a, one of my memes is I never had a big idea looking at a screen. It's always, I like the mountains or the ocean or just driving, but yeah. never in the, I've never come up with a great business building idea in my office. I 100% agree. I come up with all of my ideas while I'm running. Ah, so it's outside the office. There you go. Yeah. What? And why do you think that is? Are you listening to music or I'm just curious what you're, when you're running, do you have nothing going on and just processing thoughts or? I am often honestly listening to an audiobook or listening to a podcast, but okay. then I will like, something will spark. I'm like, oh, there's like a connection that I'm making. And then I'll stop for a second to like write down what my idea was so that I don't forget it by the time I get back from my run. But yeah. I think that what's happening is when you're using your body in a way that you are, you know, you're sometimes it's like you get an idea when you're doing the dishes or in the shower or something like that. You, there is some part of your mind that is just not actively focused, right? Okay. And that part of your brain is kind of noodling on all of that stuff and making connections that we don't make when we are, say, sending out an invoice from our computer. Right. Um, so, a couple more that I want to ask you about um, slippery time syndrome. What is slippery time syndrome? Yes, slippery time syndrome is uh, when things just, it just falls through your grass, right? It's like you're holding sand and it's somehow leaving. And it is really related to distractions that we have all around us. So there was a study done out of UC Irvine maybe 10 years ago about distractions and interruptions. And what happens is that when we get distracted or interrupted, which the time of the study was like every 11 minutes, now it's probably more with Slack and Teams and all these things, that it takes us on average 23 minutes to refocus after any kind of ping, ding, interruption. Yes, and so this study showed that most people spend about a third of their workday just trying to recover from distractions, getting distracted, trying to get back to what they're doing. And this is how we get to the end of the day. And we're like, I don't understand. I've been working all day. Why did I not cross anything off my to-do list? Yeah. It's interesting because a lot of people, I've, I've interviewed other kind of time management experts, so to speak, and they talk about time blocking. Okay. I'm going to write for an hour. Then I'm going to do this. And I, I totally get what you say, because if I write for an hour and then I can't just jump into something else, mm-hmm. I can go walk around the house or I used to walk around the marina or do something. But there has to be something. You can't just go from one function, part of your brain to another. So I, that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. 
Yeah. Well, all, and just think about all the pings and dings that we get from email notifications or, you know, things that we have control over, even though we don't take control over quite often. Right. Yeah. So speaking of writing, when I was, um, so I've written, um, well, six books and then, um, six eBooks. But when I was writing the last, the first book took me like almost a year to write. And then I got over myself trying to be a perfectionist, which was an unattainable goal. Yep. But the last three or four books were written and published in 60 days for one thing. But it's not just that I got comfortable with an occasional, you know, gaffe, but it's because of what I considered, um, properly setting up the zone, right. Mm -hmm. Or the desk or whatever. So to me, um, for different tasks, I, I realize that I'm, my brain has different. What, what I'm trying to say very clumsily is I could write much better early in the morning. I can't write during the day and I can't write at night because I get tired. So I would wake up the night before when I'm in book writing mode, I would clear mm -hmm. my desk. I didn't want to come down and look at anything. I wanted a clear desk, just the keyboard because I'm just yep. writing in Word, even like this. Yep. And um, I, I wouldn't open anything other than Word. I wouldn't like open chrome or anything i wouldn't put on music because then i'll start humming a tune yep. i would just sit there and write while my head was clear and it would usually be clear for about an hour and a half mm -hmm. then i'd usually hear you know stephanie or the kids when they used to be home getting ready yeah. for school or church or not church school or work and um and then i would switch right then i would transition i'd go paddle my kayak and then get ready for work yeah this is probably the longest question ever, but I'm getting to the point where, you know, one of the, one of the um, blog posts you shared was how to set up your desk for success. That's what I thought of. So yeah. talk a little bit about that unless I covered it for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're, so I think you're totally right that we have to find those situations and the circumstances that work really well for us. And yeah. I think we're very smart to have not like started out writing without checking anything else, without checking your email, without whatever that is. And so when I think about setting up, like it might be different for everybody. When, when I think about like ideal desktop setup, it's like the only things on my desk are a beverage, a pen, a notebook, and my keyboard, right? Mm. Because everything else is distraction. That's and it. then if I'm like thinking about the actual desktop in front of me, you really have to think about that as well. Because if you have email open, your brain is just going to email all day long. If you have Slack open, that's what's happening. And so I set like for me, I set up calendar on one side, task list on the other side, and what I'm focused on, what I'm doing right in the middle. I mean, I also have a, th a three monitor setup, right? So if you don't have that- Wow, you might command central. <laughs> but um, but I, I set it up so that like, I can see my calendar, I can see my task list, but that's it. Like email, Slack, all that stuff, it is closed if I'm not actively working on it. Yeah, when I so when I was writing my first book, I, I worked- um, just a, just for a short period of time with kind of a, a book writing expert. And they, that's where they first, I think I might've first heard the term time blocking. Mm -hmm. And so I would set aside time, like, you know, 10 to noon or something like that. And that's when I started learning about when my brain is conditioned yeah. or most receptive, because if I said, okay, it's 10 AM, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write my book. And I said, mm -hmm whoa, is that the mail truck? And then I'd go out and get the mail. <laughs> and then I would look at the bird crap on my car. I'd go in and get Windex on the way in. I said, well, let me just put the clothes in the dryer. So while I'm right. And I would, for an hour, I would fart around and not write my book. And yeah. that's why I said, I can't do that. And that's when the other thing which helped me, and I think as a coach, I'm always processing and thinking of ideas for my clients. 
But if I happen to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning for whatever reason and mm -hmm. I an idea pops in my head, I have to write it down because I guarantee when I wake up at six, I will. It, it's like a dream. It's usually gone. But so to me, I don't fight that anymore. It's like if I wake up and I got some ideas, I just got a little pad next to my bed and I write it down and just pray mm -hmm. I go back to sleep. But that's when the brain, I guess, is most fertile or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't wake up in the middle of the night, um, but I. Well, you're not old enough yet, but you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there, I'm sure. But, but I think that um, what you really have hit on is writing things down the second that they come to you, no matter where you are. Like I said, mm -hmm. I like if I am running and I have an idea, I stop. I put it into my task system and I start running again. Mm. And the reason for that, which is probably the reason that you're doing the same thing in the middle of the night is that not only will you forget it, but also you won't be able to go back to sleep as easily if you don't write it down because your uh. mind will ruminate on the thing. If you, I often tell people like do a brain dump before you go to bed, right? Or if you wake up in the middle of the night, do a little brain dump because your mind will ruminate on that stuff unless you get it out. You know, when I would share what I shared with you with a client or something, I would sometimes call it the cat syndrome. Because like if you wake up and the cat scratching to go outside, I could try and go back to sleep. But if I don't get up and let that cat out, I'm not going back to sleep. Right. So I just that's when I learned to accept it and not fight it. Um, you yeah. have a blog post, Alexis, about um, do not chronically overcommit. Mm -hmm. Is that I'm guessing that's where the stress comes in, right? I mean, that's a huge source of stress, right? Is that we uh, we don't plan, right? So we are just saying yes to whatever comes our way. And especially for entrepreneurs, this is very difficult because when you're in the early stages of your business, it uh, behooves you to say yes to as many opportunities as possible. Sure. And then you reach a certain levels of success and now saying yes is a detriment to your success. Now you need to say no more often than you're saying yes, because you need to focus and because you already have, you know, clients coming in and business coming in. And so even with the, the clients that you may have right now, I find that so often something comes to us and before we even think through, do we have time for this? When do we have time for this? When are we going to do this work? We say yes, right? We don't think about it. And that because we look at our calendar six months from now and we're like, it's free. There's nothing there. Not realizing that we are going to be just as busy in six months as we are right now. It's just not currently reflected on our calendar. Right. Um, well, let's talk about calendar. I think I saw one in there about how to take control of your calendar. So I, I, you know, I, I work very blessed. I work three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And yeah. it worked really great when we were still on our boat because we could travel Friday through Monday yep. and then just find a marina with good Wi-Fi yep. and stay there. But I still work three days a week because it's yep. what I like. But even with three days a week, even before I switched in five days, three days, I my calendar kind of runs my day. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. coaching clients are booked, interviews like this are booked, and yep. they show up as a certain color telling me it's a hard appointment. You can't slack off. And then I also have different colors for things to do. The mm -hmm. calendar looks very full, but yet I feel organized or or is the calendar just controlling me too much? What, what did you mean by that? So what I really mean by kind of taking control of your calendar is specifically related to meetings, right? So I, I think my calendar sounds a lot like yours. I have mm -hmm. one color for meetings, which is like obligations to other people. And then That's I have one, one color that is my time blocking that is obligations to me, right? And so if you look at my work days, it's booked from, you know, 9 a.m. to whatever time I'm right. It's like booked all day. So it looks mm -hmm. it can look very full, but I agree with you. It's like it runs my day. What most people have trouble with in their calendars. And I think this when you're an entrepreneur, you have a little more control over this than you think uh, is that you're 
your time is taken up by all of these meetings, many of which don't need to be meetings, many of uh, which you don't need to be at because you can delegate to somebody else, um, many of which could be shorter or could be less frequent. And so I call it like the five R's of calendar management. Okay. So the first one is review. Like look at what's on your schedule and actually know. I mean, I had a client who did this the other day and she had 34 recurring meetings that were regularly on her schedule. Oh my right? gosh. I also had a client once who had 40 hours of recurring meetings a week. So it's like, no wonder why he's not having the ability to get other things done. So first, like see what's there. Then the second R is to, um, to remove. So are there any meetings there that you don't need to be at, right? Um, you can send somebody else from your team, or maybe this is a meeting that doesn't need to happen. It could be an email, right? Like let's get, get the in. notes. <laughs> yeah, get the notes, right? Um, the next step is to, uh, is to reduce. So can we reduce, like a meeting that's on the calendar for an hour, does it need to be an hour? Could it be 40 minutes, right? We got a, a meeting that's 30 minutes. Could it be 20? Um, where can we, like, are we having a meeting every single week that probably only needs to happen once a month? Um, where can we reduce? Then we say, where can we rearrange? So the fourth R, right? Because now we, now let's say we've removed some things, we've shortened some things, we've reduced the frequency. Now our calendar has gone from looking like a brick wall to looking like Swiss cheese, right? And yeah. you've got all these little holes of time that feel kind of useless because you've only got half an hour between this meeting and the next. And so rearranging things and then finally repeat, like our calendars are additive. And so we probably need to do this every six months or so to make sure that our time is being spent in the best way possible, not in a bunch of meetings we go to that we then leave feeling like, well, that was a waste of my time. Very interesting. You mentioned um, commitments to yourself, I think. Was that your terminology there? Yeah. Is that, um, is that exercise, eating? I mean, what are the commitments to yourself? So that's actually, so it, it is some of those things, but it, okay. it is the way that I just refer to time blocking, right? So I have a toggleable time blocking calendar and that calendar kind of, it's like it overlays with my meeting calendar. And that is showing me like what I have planned to do on any given day. So, you know, after our, after us talking here today, after this interview, I have, you know, a block, I think of a half an hour where I'm going to be processing any emails that have come in, you know, over the last few hours. And then after that, I have a block where I'm going to be, you know, creating some new content. And so that is what I consider commitments to myself, because mm. so often we just let whatever comes our way, take up our time. And then we wonder, well, why hasn't that book that I've been trying to write written, you know? That's right. Um, well, I suspect once the interview's over, you're going to be thinking of how awesome the interview was, but you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, you know, the commitments, and by the way, you mentioned repeating things. So for mm -hmm. example, this is how much I, I need my calendar because yeah. when I have an interview at three o'clock, like we're doing now, yeah. and it sometimes changes. I will block out the half an hour or an hour before because if it's not blocked out, a coaching call could come in and I'm like, then I have no time to prepare. So I actually ha have prepare for live DBR, yeah. Green Business Radio. It's on there. And things yeah. that happen, things that have happened every Friday morning or Thursday morning is when I share the new podcast. Mm -hmm. That is an appointment on my calendar for, well, since 2009, every single Thursday because yeah. I forget. So yeah. it just it, it can be very handy, but I could see it could be overwhelming, too. We technically have four more minutes. If I can keep you maybe two or three minutes longer, I got a couple more questions I want to ask yeah, you. Totally. Fine. Okay. Um, I read something on your blog about a hard reset. I know sometimes you just got to give your computer a hard reset. What, what do you mean for yourself? 
So what I mean is that oftentimes like we're using a task system or we have a method for tracking the things that we're doing. And then it gets out of whack for some reason. Like maybe every, you know, we stop using it for a while because we got too busy, right? We just start standing in front of the tennis balls instead of planning our time. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe we got sick and, or we were on vacation and now like everything looks overdue. And it's just scary for us to even go even look at it. And so what I have my clients do, what I always share is that when you feel that urge to stop looking because you just don't want to know what's in there, that actually means that you got to double down and just block a time, like take an hour, sit there, open up your task system, face it and start planning for the future. Because when we leave things in this overdue status, it is very uh, stressful for us. And also it doesn't reflect reality. We can only do things in the future. We can't go back and do things in the past. And so we just need to kind of reset to a zero state to move forward. Hmm. Yeah. E easier said than done, I would think, right? How did you, how did you first come up with that? And did it take you a while to like make it effective? Yeah, well, I think like this, this doesn't really happen to me so much anymore, but it happens to my clients when they're in the learning process of managing their time, managing the things that they have to do. And so over time, you know, enough people asked me, hey, what happens if I let it get kind of out of whack? Like what happens mm. if I ignored it for a while? And so I, you know, I came up with a set of things to do. And the first thing is block some time to deal with it because otherwise you're just going to be having the pain of digging yourself out for weeks instead of right. like one false thing. And then it's like a set of processes. It's like, first go through your email and make sure that anything that is a task gets in your task list, right? Yeah. Um, go through Slack, same thing. Once you've gotten all the inboxes, then look at your task system and start planning it out. When are you going to do what? So that now you're looking at a realistic day for tomorrow and a realistic week for next week without having all that baggage. Right. Very cool. Okay. Um, last question I want to ask you, and I, I, I thought you might have um, written this blog post for me, but you probably wrote it for my longtime listeners, <laughs> Phil Brakefield and Jeff Herring. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? You 100% can. <laughs> Everybody can learn. And I think that this is something that comes up so frequently with when I meet with people as they say, well, I'm just not an organized person. I've never been an organized person. It's just not in my nature. And I feel really bad about it. And I don't believe I can change. Yeah. All of this stuff is just skills. It's skills you can learn. It's skills you can learn with practice because everybody can learn new skills with practice. And you know what? Part of me just, you know, likes to conduct an interview in a fun way, but yeah. it really has to become that important to you also. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you get a diagnosis of, you know, you're uh, pre-diabetic or you're overweight or whatever, and it you start, you start and see the real results instead of just looking at the scales, like this is really affecting my health that then it takes on a higher level of importance and you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I learned early on, um, seriously, I, I was one of these guys who just work, 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 work. I'll sleep later when I die type thing. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I survived it, but it was like, you, you know, you, you sometimes feel like you're um, you're just nothing's ever going to happen to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then something does. Mm -hmm. And now you have to figure out another way around it. Mm -hmm. um, in, in my book, Decide, I had a chapter, learn to delegate or stay small forever. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of entrepreneurs have this, I can do it better, cheaper, faster than anybody else. So why would I pay somebody else to do what I can do myself? Well, right. my rule of thumb now is if I hate to do it, it probably will never get done. It keeps moving further down. And if, if I, if there's something that 
I can pay somebody 10, 20, 30 dollars an hour to do, yet I'm working up here. But mm-hmm. if I'm doing this task, I'm worth 20 or 30 bucks an hour. And that's not a good place to be. So I 100% agree. Yeah. So it really has to do a lot with how, what level of importance does it take on? Because then, then you'll actually find a way to make it happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. And what you, I, I say a similar version, although maybe more crass of what you've just said, which is like within an organization, the person who should be doing a thing is the lowest paid yet still capable person to do that thing. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, I'm sure you've cleaned that up for my show. So thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's kind of a crass version too. It's like not a nice way to say it, but it's like, exactly that thing. Like you should only be doing as the CEO or an entrepreneur, you should be doing the things that only you can do and delegating everything else. Yep. Um, I'm going to try and dig in one more question because you, okay. you answered that one brilliantly. So w- even when you feel stuck, I think, is your, aware- is your awareness moving? Unpack that for me a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a great example of this. So oftentimes we say, I want to do something. And then we have a lot of trouble doing that thing. Right. And so for your listeners, for those people, most people have had kids and this is one that shows up all the time, right? If you have ever said to yourself, I want to stop yelling at my kids, right? Mm. And then what happens? First, for like the next hundred times, you will yell at your kids. And then after the fact, you'll be like, ah, I was trying not to do that, right? And then eventually your awareness shifts up a little bit and you'll be like mid yell. And you're like, okay, I need to stop. I need to take a breather. I like, I wasn't trying to do this. Mm. And then after a hundred more times of that, before you start yelling, you will say, ah, I need a break. I'm going to go calm down, take a deep breath in the bathroom before that word even comes out of your mouth. And so this is often what has happened in just any skill that we're trying to practice and learn. It's that our awareness is shifting from after the fact to before the fact. And we're not going to make significant progress until you know, or feel as though we have made progress until we're at that end point, right? Where we're not doing the thing anymore or doing the thing we want to do. But that that um, kind of spectrum that's happening, it's essential for getting there, right? We can't just go to the after the fact to before the fact at the same time. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, you know, in the late 2000, well, seven, eight, nine, you know, um, it's when I really started learning about internet marketing, things like that. And okay, so you should, you should definitely blogging that that wasn't that new. But you know, a, you should have a podcast, you should start doing videos, you should write a book, you should. And there's all these things that you needed to do if you really want to have a successful uh, business. And um, I think it was Dan Kennedy, who said, it's not like, you know, you go to your wall, like in the hall sometimes, and there's like five light switches. You don't take the broom and go boom and put them all on at the same time. Oh. One of them may come on, the other, or, or it's like more like dimmer switches. Yeah. One will come on bright and the other, and you keep going there. So it is it is a process. I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't just change like that. Yeah. Um, Alexis, what a great, man, I could talk to you for another half hour, but I know we <laughs> both have things to do. Um, what a fantastic interview. Now, I know, um, I want you to tell people how they can connect with you. I know just from my research, you, you have uh, some kind of a group coaching program. So go ahead and tell people about that if you would. Yeah, perfect. So people can connect with me on alexishasselberger.com, which hopefully you'll link to because no one will be able to spell it. <laughs> um, 
Uh, you can connect with me there. I do have a group coaching program called uh, Time Well Spent that runs twice a year. And so I'm accepting people on the wait list right now for that. And it really takes you from feeling like overwhelmed and overworked to feeling in control of your time. Uh, over about a 10 week span. So that is a really way, great way to, you know, to work with me if you want to. You can also go to my, my blog and you, know, you can go to my website and sign up for my yeah. blog. I will send that out to you. Folks, uh, the blog is really, I mean, seriously, it's a, and I don't just say this to blow smoke. It's a great blog, um, well organized and you can like scan a bunch really quickly and see which ones appeal to you. But um, yeah, that's the only reason I sounded smart today was because I went to her <laughs> blog and prepared <laughs> for the interview. Uh, Lexis, thank you so much. What a, what a great guest today on Dream Business Radio Live. Thank you so much. It's been a great chat. Wonderful. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, Alexis Hasselberger. I highly recommend you connect with her, follow her, learn from her, um, unless you just happen to enjoy working more and stressing more. So I guess there is <laughs> that's the other side of that coin. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested, again, in connecting with me and about 27 other smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, that is dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com, and Finally, remember, if you'd like to get copies of all six of my dream business books, they are free now. It's part of my legacy building program. They are uh, in Kindle at Amazon. Well, on Amazon, they're Kindle books. They're all free. Barnes and Noble is the Nookbook, and they're also in the iBook store. Totally free. It's my, my education to you. Again, part of my legacy building program. But this until this time next week, he said easily, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.